Welcome to The Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMEG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, and with me again today is Mike Lawless, our Director of Innovation uh, out of the St. Louis office. Mike, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing you in person last week. It was uh, quite a treat to know that you really, you're really a, a living, breathing individual, not just a voice on the on the podcast. I do exist outside of this virtual world, so that's a <laughs> And uh, today's topic is SE2050, which is a commitment program created in response to and in support of the SE2050 challenge, which calls on all structural engineers to understand, reduce, and ultimately eliminate embodied carbon in their projects. And to help us examine this topic today, our guest is Laura Hagen. Laura is a structural engineer uh, working with our structural team out of our San Francisco office. And she also is our leader of our internal structural sustainability task force and uh, guiding its efforts to reduce embodied carbon in our projects. Laura, welcome to the program. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. And it's great to have you. And so to get us started, um, SE2050, there's a lot going on there. Can you kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of, of what it's all about and designed to achieve? Yeah, so the main goal behind SE2050, as the initiative that it is, is to achieve net zero embodied carbon in structural systems by the year 2050. Um, it's a program basically that structural engineering firms can go and join. So it's a firm-led initiative. And the goal that we're working towards is reductions and ultimately, you know, eliminating um, embodied carbon in projects, getting to that net zero future by the year 2050. Yeah, it seems like a ambitious and, and worthy goal. How how do you get how how does everybody get started on this this journey? I mean it's it's we got what, twenty eight years to reach net zero? Yeah, so there's f the first thing I think that you need to get involved with if if you're new to SE twenty fifty or you know, just starting to familiarize yourself with you know, kind of embodied carbon as a whole, is to educate yourself. And SE twenty fifty actually has you know, four kind of distinct targets that it's going for within the program. And the first of which is said education. So it's our job as structural engineers, before we can e even really start to reduce embodied carbon, kind of understand where we are standing in the kind of way things are going the way we design right now. Um, for a long time, you know, no one had even heard of embodied carbon and no one even cared about it. But now that people are starting to pay attention, um, yeah, we kind of need to be able to orient ourselves to see where we are to then go and try to delineate um, reductions, you know, going forward. Because you're right, 28 years may seem like a long time, but it's not that long a time in the construction industry and in the engineering industry. So um, once you've educated yourself, the next step is to try to start to figure out where you can make reductions in the building materials themselves. So what are some of the basics as far as an education process? You know, I think there's some kind of some basic systems and some rankings of which systems have more embodied carbon than others. How does that, how does that work out? What's, what's kind of the good, better, best sort of scenarios and structural systems? 
That's actually kind of a tricky question to answer um, because certain materials definitely have higher embodied carbon than others. Um, concrete is always looked at as a kind of high embodied carbon material because of the amount of emissions that are let out into the atmosphere in the production of cement. Um, whereas on the other hand, wood, uh, you know, and oftentimes you hear wood in the context of mass timber is seen and known to be much less carbon intensive in the production of the material. So I would say, you know, kind of one of the basic things to start to think about is how do you optimize the materials that you're using to design a building to be able to lower your embodied carbon overall? Because you're never going to get away from using concrete as a found, like for a foundation system, probably ever. But how do you maybe utilize other materials in more, you know, maybe different or new applications um, to make that overall lower embodied carbon? It seems like too with, with these systems, there's starting to be maybe some more interesting combinations of systems that can help lower the overall embodied carbon. I think. You know, aren't we seeing, you know, mass timber used for, you know, the, the floor slab portion and in combination with other, how, how is that, that's really like, a, that's a change in the industry, right? As a, as a, someone as a reaction to this embodied carbon discussion? I think it's part of reaction. I think it's also part of just kind of concurrent timing, actually, um, mass, the, you know, the development of mass timber as a more um, often used material. Um Certainly, mass timber is not being used everywhere in the country, but in a lot of parts of the country, it is. Um, and you're absolutely right. You can do a whole building, depending on the building type, in mass timber, except for maybe the foundation. But I think a very common use of it is actually introducing it as that floor plate system. Um, it can replace slabs. It can replace, you know, concrete over metal deck. Um, from an embodied carbon standpoint, that's a big bonus. There's a decent amount of embodied carbon that will go into that concrete over metal deck that otherwise would have been there. You can combine CLT with steel superstructures. You can use CLT being cross-laminated timber with, um, you know, glue lamb beams uh, and posts. Um, you could probably find a way to combine it with, you know, concrete, but a very common application is for that floor plate. Um, position in in a project and that's actually interesting to see because when you do uh, you know are looking at the embodied carbon of your structure oftentimes the highest uh, concentration of embodied carbon is in that floor plate system um, so if you can take out all of the you know or most of the beams and joists um, that you otherwise would have had and put in, you know, a mass timber or a CLT floor plate, uh, not only are you potentially minimizing material, um, you're also putting in a material that has um, better embodied carbon or lower embodied carbon values associated with it. So as part of the SC2050 challenge, there's a commitment that IMAG has made, right, to be to be part of that that group. What, what does that look like? And I know the goal is to get to net zero embodied carbon, but what are the kind of the steps and the, the parts to being a part of that program? Probably the biggest uh, step that you need to take as a part of 
um, the actual commitment itself once you've signed up is to put together your embodied carbon action plan. So that is an action plan that your company develops that lays out how you are going to address the education, the tracking and uh, reporting, and the reducing of embodied carbon, and lastly, the advocacy um, for reducing embodied carbon. And it's basically you need to think through how you're going to calculate your, you know, your embodied carbon. How are you tracking that? Um, how are you going to reduce? And then. Um, you know, the other pieces are the education and advocacy. But to put your ECAP together is, um, you can make it as simple or as uh, involved as you want. Um, but it's definitely uh, takes some effort to put together. Um, and that's kind of the number one thing you should probably get started on once you sign up for SC 2050. So, so the ECAP's the Embodied Carbon Action Plan, right? For for those not as familiar. And I guess the, so in that plan, if you think about the plan you put together, I mean, what's kind of a, a highlight that somebody might, might be interested in or something they might be able to use as they think about how to improve, you know, embodied carbon in the structural systems for their projects? Well, so let's see. The first year that you are in the SE 2050 program, they allow most of the goals that you set within the ECAP to be education related. So really, it's about bringing everyone up to speed, bringing everyone up on the same page to understand what is embodied carbon, why do we care about it, how do we track it, how do we reduce it, um, and then you are on a yearly basis afterwards going to be updating your ECAP as you know time passes and theoretically you would get more and more familiar with reductions and setting targets for reductions in embodied carbon and that sort of thing. And, and Laura, a big part of this whole process too is the uh, sharing of data um, between firms in the industry uh, to, to develop this database to help owners and 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 other designers uh, be able to make decisions quicker and more informed. Is that correct? And, and, and that's something that is really the end goal to make this whole process uh, uh, really be successful? Yeah. So another part of the SE 2050 program is actually reporting of embodied carbon on projects. Um, and that is because SE 2050 is trying to establish a database. Uh, nationwide of um, different types, different building types, different types of projects uh, and their embodied carbon metrics associated with them. And the idea behind developing that database is that eventually SC2050 will be able to assign some benchmarks uh, to different building types. And once they're able to assign some, you know, industry benchmarks, that will be a big boost for the structural engineering industry to know kind of where they should be hitting or below uh, or, you know, coming in below basically when designing buildings and calculating the associated uh, embodied carbon. Right now we're still, yeah, trying to build that database up, but that's kind of the direction that it's going in is to get towards benchmarks. And then once there are benchmarks, yeah, you can set specific target reductions. So it sounds like they're, you know, there's a big educational component to this because up until recently, embodied carbon and building structure wasn't wasn't really at the top of anyone's mind as they were starting to to put a building together. There was a lot more focus on cost effect, you know, cost and speed and those typical 
construction market. So it sounds like they're you're going through a big effort on the educational piece. And then there's the just like anything else, it seems like you know data is going to be important to be able to set set targets. You know what are there some, sort of some guideposts along this way to to zero embodied carbon? I haven't actually seen specific guideposts uh, within SE 2050, but I do think you're not going to go from you know 100 to zero, you know, between 2049, December 31st, and January 1st, 2050. So we need to be mindful that we do need to be reaching targets along the way. And yeah. So I guess, Laura, as we you know sort of get to wrapping this up, what makes you excited about this the 2050 challenge? So I think one of the most exciting things about uh, SD 2050 is the fact that it is a firm-led initiative. Because oftentimes in the past, I think structural engineers, you know, we play a, a certain role in the design of a project, and you know, it's a it's an important role. Um, but now we're getting to kind of look through a different lens at what we're actually doing and we have a role to play in being able to reduce the effects of the buildings that we design on the environment. And the more we are able to understand how to make reductions in embodied carbon, the better our buildings will be for certainly the client, the owner, the user of the building, but also the surrounding communities and basically the planet as a whole. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I've definitely learned a lot more about this SE twenty fifty. It's going to take innovation to meet this this challenge. And excited to see see what happens and what you know structural engineers like yourself come up with for future buildings. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward specifically to see what happens in the materials uh, industries because I think we're going to need to have a lot of innovation in the material spaces uh, before we get to the year twenty fifty. Sounds good, Laura. We're going to check back with you in 2050. And uh, <laughs> well, somebody will. I don't think it's going to be me. But uh, anyway, um, it's been great having you here uh, today. And uh, as a follow up to this podcast, we're also going to talk with Laura about uh, life cycle analysis, which is a critical part of uh, looking at a, a building and the different materials and, and figuring out uh, what what are the metrics of different uh, combinations of, of, uh, of materials for structural? Is that a correct summation, Laura? Yep. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Okay. How about that? Not bad for somebody who's not an engineer, right? Anyway, so uh, I appreciate uh, you being on today. And uh, listeners who are new to our podcast can listen to us on any app that you might subscribe to. We're also on the iMeg website. And you can listen to anything we've recorded in the past by going to our insights section. And uh, in the drop-down menu, you'll find podcasts. Thanks to everyone who listened to today's episode. And until next time, take care. <laughs>